Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! So what? That's what you want from a number two. You don't want somebody too smart. You want a nice guy. People like him, you know? Not dumb, but somebody you know you can have walking behind you without getting knifed. Hello, and welcome to Little Marty, the only podcast on the internet dedicated <laughs> to covering the works of Adam Sandler and Martin Scorsese. My name is Eric Buffalino. And my name is Jeremy Frank Sheeran. Hello. Love it. Love it. I, I like that you took both uh, names. You yeah. You didn't just do mm-hmm. the last name like right. I did. Well, uh, Sheeran was just, I thought maybe they thought would think I was like Ed Sheeran. So I had to mm. distinguish, you know, Frank. <laughs> yeah. Do You do get mistaken for, for Ed Sheeran like way more than I would expect. Yeah, right. It's usually because I'm singing so beautifully as I'm strolling through the supermarket. Yes, yeah. and eating uh, bangers and mash. He's yeah, British, right. right? Yeah, he's at least, be sure. Yeah, uh, hopefully. <laughs> Jeremy, I got to ask before we go any further with this episode. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. And tell it to me straight. You got it. Are, are you wearing a wire right now? No, 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 no. This 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 bulge in my chest, that's a uh cyst. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. What yeah. a relief. Yeah, it's a huge cyst on my chest. It's not a giant recording device. Uh isn't it funny that podcasts are like two people wearing wires <laughs> talking to each other? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're both um informants for um Adam Sandler. Uh, yeah, Adam, Adam Sandler. <laughs> this, oh, is, this, man. Is a, this is a big moment right here, Eric. This is the final uh, you know, feature film directed by Martin Scorsese as of this recording. So we're kind of saying goodbye to one of our heroes, you know, to a, yeah, you to know, a dear friend. Yeah, you know, it's kind of sad. It's sad in a couple ways. For A... I'll, I'll say this, and maybe we should do like a, I don't know if we do this on the Patreon, probably on the Patreon, but um, just like a retrospective episode, like what were oh, our, yeah. some of the highlights of the movies yeah. that we watched? What did we learn from doing this? Yeah, because I think you and I both went into this Scorsese, uh, essentially, if you're a new listener, we just watched all of his movies, and um, we talked about them. You can go back and listen to episodes. But uh, I, you know, I think at the beginning we were both like fans, but not necessarily like, you Sex know, birds. we we hadn't seen a, a lot of Scor- the Scorsese movies, and uh, man, it's cool when you get to do something like this when you take the time to like watch someone's mm-hmm. like everything someone's done, because right. uh, you start to you find gems and then you start to appreciate the the other movies that you already liked. You know, even more because I—I'll yeah. say this: if I didn't watch, if I 
I would have appreciated the Irishman less if I hadn't just watched all of the Martin Scorsese movies in a row. There's something, uh, I'm yeah. serious though. Is there something like th- about this movie that feels like almost like the ultimate, mm-hmm. you know, the ultimate Scorsese. like period at the end of the sentence or something. Yeah. And I, I, I sincerely hope that it's not his last movie, but well, if it we was, know, we know it's not because he has one coming out soon. So he's finished yeah, the true. flowers of the killer moon, which I'm sure will be great, but, you're um, right. If this was his last yeah. film, it would be very kind of poignant, you know. Right, right. Anyway, I forgot what I was talking about. Jeremy, <laughs> this is a uh, word to word. Uh, the point being, this is our last episode on Scorsese, but uh, it's it's going to be a good one. Uh, but before we even talk about uh, that guy, let's talk about our Patreon, yeah. which is patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. Uh, we do some good stuff over there, don't we, Jeremy? You know, I think so. Yeah, I think we definitely do. Uh, for example, we cover a whole other director's filmography on that Patreon. Right now, we have been covering the Coen brothers, which has been an absolute delight. We did about half their completed work you know, before the holidays and then after the holidays, we're just now starting to pick it up again. And it's been great. I can't wait to do more. Uh, Look out this week. We have an episode on Inside Lewin Davis, which is probably, you know, maybe my favorite Coen Brothers movie. So uh, yeah, patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. Go there or be square, right? That's that's how the saying goes, and uh, yeah, I you can also you know if you're if you really want to uh, support the show and and really uh, you know yeah if you really want to control our uh, lives uh huh you can go there and you can there's a tier where you can sign up and you can you can get us to do an episode on any I we say any movie or TV episode but really anything. Yeah. We'll do an episode on anything you'd like. We'll do whatever you want. Just <laughs> yeah. Whatever, just just say it, and we'll do it. Yeah, right. Doesn't even have to be an episode, a podcast episode. Just yeah. we'll do anything that you want. We'll just like literally do anything you want, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. Right. Um, it's good stuff. Jeremy, we're talking about a movie called The Irish Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And said that uh, way too. Yes, I have to say I have to. I should probably bring this up now, mm, um, mm-hmm. in case it's obvious. Someone uh, brought to my attention recently that um, my computer monitor is like too low, and that it's bad for my neck because <laughs> oh. uh, I'm like it's like bad for my posture or something. So I bought one of those. Like you can buy these little like stands to put your computer monitor on, nice. and I was like, I don't know. Like, it, it tells there's like different size ones, and I'm like, I guess I'll order like this size. That sounds right. And I ordered it. I tell you, I set this thing up, and I I I'm basically looking straight up <laughs> at my computer. <laughs> it's like that. it's like being in the first uh, row at a movie theater. Wait, it's that's crazy. your. That that's supposed to be good for your posture, just craning your neck upward. <laughs> I think I got. I I think the one that I got is like too tall. 
I think I have to return this one and get one size smaller. That's so funny. I think the goal is for it to be like at eye level mm-hmm. or maybe even a little bit up. But this is like, uh, I can like feel my Adam's apple in my throat <laughs> while I talk. That's terrible, man. Well, good luck to you throughout this episode, just as your neck is just slowly breaking. Well, while that happens, Jeremy, tell me, have you have you seen The Irishman before? I saw it when it came out, yes. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So this is a repeat view for me. It's the second view. Um, I was trying to remember because I remembered this movie coming out during the pandemic, but it came out at, like, at the start of the pandemic, but it actually came out, it looks like, in September of 2019. Yeah, right, yeah. I guess, well, there was a theatrical release, and I think there was a delay until it was on Netflix or something. But, uh, yeah, this is my uh, this is my first viewing of The Irishman. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Heck, yeah, good yeah. for you, man. What, what, what did, uh, I'm interested to hear now what your freaking opinion is on this. I'll tell you this. I wa- it came this episode came up at a significant time in my life because I two weeks ago or you know like a week and a half ago mm-hmm. I traveled to St. Paul, Minnesota. Great, great. I go to this place called uh the Excel Energy Center. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I see Bruce Springsteen and the, and East, the Street East Street Band. Band. <laughs> Yes, and there, uh, uh, it kicked ass. But that's awesome. you know, here is uh, this like, I mean, Bruce compared to like Scorsese or something. He's, he's just a master. Yeah. Oh yeah. But you got his whole band. You know, you got Joe Pesci as uh, Little Steven. You got uh, what's the freaking? Uh, oh, Max Weinberg. Maybe that's uh, De Niro. You know, the point is, Jeremy. These guys have been doing it for a long time, and uh, now they're like pretty old, and they're doing the the Springsteen concert was truly like. It's not like a re. It's not like a farewell tour, right? But Springsteen has kind of said in interviews, like, yeah, this you know who knows this might be the end. So they put on like a crazy show. They play like all the everything you'd want to hear, right? And, uh, you know, they're all back on stage together. They're all really old, but they all still kick ass. That's exactly how I felt about this movie. I was like, this this is uh, a bunch of guys, you know, that have worked together, some more than others. But uh, they've got that kind of, it's, it's got like the, I've learned to appreciate the old man perspective. It's just like the elderly person's perspective especially an artist where they're like kind of the themes of some of what they're doing turns to like mortality or like self-reflection i like it right you know yeah i i i agree i think it's uh i think it's definitely like a fun fun's maybe the wrong word it's like it feels like you're watching something with so much clarity and and depth and nuance. Um, 
as opposed to something I think made by a younger person and I, and who has less life experiences, you know, I think about some of my all time favorite movies by young directors. And a lot of times, yeah, it is like they have a good theme, a central idea, and they're executing on that. Well, but something Scorsese is able to do in this movie. And I think in like a lot of the movies that, you know, past his, you know, you know, seventies or whatever, like Wolf of Wall Street and whatnot is that he's able to kind of harness somehow in a, a emotional resonance like you've kind of never seen before that's so hyper specific uh and just so well communicated you know you got to imagine that you know barring any sort of kind of like mental like degradation or whatever like just getting old and getting loose and sloppy you're you're constantly honing and sharpening your like ability to communicate and do it in this medium, you know, as a director. I just think he's, you know, he's kind of at a high water point here with, with the Irishman. And it'll be interesting to see his new movie because um, I'm assuming, you know, in some ways that'll be, uh, it'll be more of that kind of thing. You know, I thought about this too when I saw The Fablemans last year, mm. which is the last uh, Spielberg movie. Spiel Because he's also a guy who's about Marty's age and, and, you know, you just... You just watch that movie and you're like, a younger person couldn't make this because they wouldn't make these choices. These choices are so, such big flexes of of confidence and you know security in your own work. Because I think I think another a younger writer director might just be maybe too shy to do. Anyway, that's my take on it. But like, I agree. Like, I think uh, watching something made by an older person is is, is a really it, it's like reading a, bu- a, n- a book by a novelist who's an older person too you know it reminds me of uh what's that uh the japanese director uh who we Kurosawa. just discovered yeah yeah isn't that that dreams it was called dreams yeah that that's one of those where it's kind of later in his life right right yeah uh and ikiru yeah. is another film of his that that kind of is about getting old and being older, you know, Ingmar Bergman has wild strawberries. There's, there's just a lot, you know, that it's, it's a you buckle in, buckle up because it's always like a, you know, it's a, it's an emotional roller coaster you're about to be on when you see somebody sort of at the end of their life, sort of give their perspective on what it was like. And I feel like, uh, that whatever that genre of films are, it's, you know, it is really compelling. Indeed. Indeed. Well, uh, yeah. So, the Irishman came out 2019, like we discussed. Uh, written by so this is based on a book by uh, Charles Brandt called "I Heard You Paint Houses." And Charles Brandt, I guess, is the guy who, um, you know, this Frank Sheeran guy confessed right all of the stuff to. Um, so I, it, from my understanding, De Niro. And Scorsese were like kind of working on another movie about a hitman. Mm, okay. And De Niro read this book and convinced Scorsese that they should do a movie about this book instead. So they were kind of working on something adjacent to like what similar, I guess, maybe in tone or theme to this movie. But really, this is De Niro bringing an idea to Scorsese, which I think is interesting. Um, 
Because I think De Niro's performance in this kicks ass. Yeah, it's so it's great. good. Yeah. Um, I mean, pretty much everyone's is great, but yeah, there's uh, not a there's not a weak link in the bunch. I mean, it is sort of the world's best, at least male actors, right? Like, you run down the list: Marty, uh, sorry, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, Harvey Keitel, Anna Paquin, Ray Romano, Bobby Cannavale. I also know that Jesse Plemons is in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Um, yeah, for my understanding, I watched, uh, there's a couple cool, like behind the scenes videos just on YouTube, um, on like the Netflix YouTube channel, um, that are interesting. So from one of those, it, it, I got the impression that, you know, the, over time, like this cast was just kind of like assembled over time in terms of like, who is the bet like who would who would be good for this character and it just happened to be like all of the great <laughs> the best actors right you know it was it didn't like start off as a as where the idea was like let's get all of everyone great that scorsese has worked with you know in the past together for one more movie mm-hmm. um joe pesci uh apparently refused multiple times uh, <laughs> to come out of retirement in order to appear in the film some sources say the actual number of refusals was 50. Wow. Wow. <clears throat> there, there's a lady in w- one of those documentaries. Um, I think she's a the casting person, but she is talking about Pesci, and, and her, her quote was something like, you know, Joe, Pe- Joe Pesci, you know, was going to be in the movie where, whether he knew it or not. Mm-hmm. Like, it was kind of one of those things <laughs> yeah. where they're like, he'll do it. If we bug him enough, he'll do it. Right. Um, but yeah, another, another supplemental, um, piece of content I would recommend to anyone interested. Uh, there is also like a thing on Netflix. I think it's called like the Irishman in conversation. Oh yeah. Something. It's great. Have you watched that? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's Pacino, Pesci, um, De Niro and Scorsese just like sitting Mm -hmm. around, sitting in a booth at a restaurant talking. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's incredible. These guys have between them, you know what, like 400 years. (laughs) Like they're like, so, uh, they're, they're older. They've been around the block. They've been, they've been in this business for so long. They have so many stories together. Like, and I gotta say De Niro's great in this movie, but Pesci really is the one to me that stands out the most. I mean, you got De Niro, doing a De Niro thing and Pacino doing a Pacino thing, or at least like a more modern Pacino thing. And I love that. Uh, but mm-hmm. Pesci is, is playing a character. I don't think we've seen him play before. He's so calm. <laughs> like this is, this is not the casino Pesci. This is not the Goodfellas Pesci. This is a wise, more meticulous, more calculating Joe Pesci. And it's really right. great. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with you. So there's n- that like aggression isn't there, but the evil, <laughs> the right. evilness is. Yeah, it's almost scarier than his like casino character. I know he's great. Yeah, yeah he's he's probably. I mean, he's definitely one of my favorite parts, if not my favorite part of the movie. Watching his performance, um, I, I kind of wish right. Harvey Keitel was in it more. He's in the movie, but yeah. 
he's as good as all these guys, but like, you know, he's not in it for very much. I think he's in like maybe one scene or or so. But yeah, yeah. I wish uh, freaking what's his face? Ah, never mind. I was gonna make a dumb joke. Doesn't matter. Uh-huh. Uh, some random trivia: the house that appears at the beginning of the film is the same house that appears in Goodfellas. Hey, what do you think of this? So Scorsese, kind of, you know, he like started the mafia movie, right? Like the mafia movie genre. I mean, definitely the modern mafia movie yes, genre. The mo- like the gangster the film was a thing from like the earliest dawn of film, but. Yeah, how we think of it, yeah. Right. Um, what do you think of the... I've read some theories that this is like... People have taken this movie to mean... And I, I don't, I'm not saying I agree with this or not. I just think it's cool when people come up with weird theories about movies. This, this movie is like Scorsese putting an end to the to the uh you know mafia the modern mafia genre uh yeah that's fun like finishing what he started kind of a thing yeah that's cool i guess yeah i guess like this yeah that sounds yeah there's not really a modern mafia genre anymore is one as i guess my only thing is like that like when's the last mafia movie you've seen you know they, they, they kind of don't even exist. So, but yeah, this is definitely this definitely puts a nice big, like we were kind of talking about before, like period at the end of the sentence of like all of all of this time, him and De Niro have been crafting these these harsh gang land, gangster worlds, you know, mm. to to kind of see like how it all how it all kind of falls, how it all you know fits together, and how it sort of ends. Um, you know, the last uh, Mafia movie I saw was mm-hmm. probably 1998's Mafia, which Mafia, we did cover yeah. on the Patreon. Hey, shameless plug. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Brian, one of the insane movies that Brian forces us to watch. Yeah. And he's just one of the many patrons over on patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. Eric, this had a, I guess there's a no telling, but it's like 150 to $250 million budget. That's a hundred million dollar difference. Mm-hmm. Not sh- unclear. Uh, box office made eight million. Now that's a lot. Uh, Wait, no, no, it's not. It's like uh, it didn't make close to. It's like one percent. <laughs> Wait, that's how much it like it didn't make eight million over the. It's hard. I, I don't know what this is because you know it obviously didn't wasn't in theaters very long, like. It, Netflix owned it, so it only was in theaters for like, like I think like less than a month, and then in it select was, cities too, yeah. like, from what I remember. Right, and then it was put on Netflix. So I guess because Netflix doesn't really share their financial earnings or like you know like how much a movie made for them, um, it will ne- well we may never know how successful this movie was, but I do remember uh, people making jokes that this could have possibly killed netflix's like previous business model and that they would just sort of green light anything and everything um Mm -hmm. that this film maybe caused them to reevaluate you know how much they were giving to stuff which is pretty funny (laughs) yeah um 
What do you think of, uh, you know, one of, one of these things that people talk about about this movie is the length. Uh, right. What do you think about that? I, I mean, we've kind of had the long movie discussion before, but uh, yeah. refresh my memory on your, your take. I mean, my take is usually like, I don't, I think all movies should be an hour and a half, like a tight 90 minutes, but um, that's not the world we live in. And the fact that this movie is like, I think, three hours if not more long slightly longer is uh is just fine by me because this movie flies by like there's it really i don't ever feel the length of this movie when i'm watching it how, how about you yeah i uh i think if you go back and listen to like early episodes of this podcast i used to be a like any movie no movie should be longer than like two and a half hours person now, uh, I don't care. I mean, the right. only the only thing is, is like, if your movie's this long, that's it, it is like a little bit more of a barrier for me to finally get to watching it. Um, but I was, you know, in one of these interviews with Scorsese, he's talking about like the length, and 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 he's talking about how you can't control what format people are watching your movie in now, anyway. Right. Yeah. So the length was i mean really his his thought process process behind it was well this is what i want to do and if people really want to see this the people who watch this movie are going to be the people who really want to want to watch it you know yeah, which i right. think is cool um i also kind of i i i kind of like that he's not like uh as much as i love david lynch i kind of like how he, he doesn't seem to be as much of a grumpy old like Every movie should be watched on film in the, in a, in a cinema. You know? Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, he doesn't. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a that's an interesting question. It's hard to know. Like what I think he probably prefers everyone to go to the movies and watch his films in cinema. But you know he did this for Netflix, so he had to anticipate like most people aren't going to watch it that way. Yeah, it's weird too because it's like I've been watching these, you know, like document. They have all these documentary series now where they're like four hour long episodes. Yeah, and I'll go through like a whole one of those in a night, you know, a whole season, uh, a whole the whole series, and that'll fly by. But the the second I see that a movie is like three hours long, I'm like, I don't know who has time for that. I don't know. Right. Um. Anyway, uh, bu- 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 Pacino. Oh, let's talk about the de aging thing for a second because I remember. Oh yeah, people, right. Yeah. Um, so Scorsese uh pointed out that while the senior actors digitally de aged uh were digitally de aged in their faces, uh, and in some cases aged, there was still the challenge of acting physically younger or older in the posture. Uh, gait and energy level. Scorsese claimed that attention was always paid to the character's exact age in every scene, including subtle changes of only a few years. So basically, Scorsese had realized that um, in the script that if he, he were to cast younger people to play younger versions of these characters, half the movie would be pe- people other than these you know guys that he really wanted to work with. Right. Um, 
So he used, um, I don't, it's like infrared technology or something. Mm. Uh, it's it's kind of interesting. They have like two cameras on the side of the main camera mm. that use infrared light or something. Um, Weird. But yeah, essentially they like, you know, de- made De Niro and, you know, these different guys look younger in different scenes. Right. And how do you feel like it went? Like, what was what did you think of the de-aging? I'm not kidding you. I, like, did, I, I didn't notice. Like, I didn't notice. Yeah. I, I just yeah. thought... I, there were mo- there was you know there's especially one scene in particular where I was like well De Niro looks like way younger than and I just was I just thought maybe it was like makeup or something or right something I just don't understand but yeah mm-hmm. I'm totally fine with it I think it's I, think I it's mean cool. I I I definitely think the technology is cool I I in terms of it, did they pull it off or not I don't think they did pull it off completely I mean. There's a scene where De Niro's supposed to be 36 years old and he <laughs> looks like he's 96. Like he just, you can just tell, or he just looks like a, an old man who dyed his hair. Like yeah. jet black. But that's okay. Like it doesn't, nothing, no, no part of me was taken out of the movie by any of the age stuff. So I guess like you, Eric, it didn't bother me at all. I, and I kind of barely noticed. But when I did notice, it wasn't that big of a deal. Just sort of, Maybe if anything, just a little funny. Yeah, I remember like people being critical of it because Scorsese, it you know was, you know when it goes on these anti CGI Marvel Marvel movies, right? Tears where they're like, yeah. but you're using de aging. It's not. It's not the same thing at all. Right. It's an artist. It's you know. Yeah, of course. An artistic choice so that he can work with his buddies. Yeah. For more. For longer. Um, Jeremy, any other behind the scenes production trivia stuff you want to talk about before we dive nah, in? Let's just jump in. All right. We're in a nursing home hmm. and an elderly Irish American World War II veteran named Frank Sheeran recounts his time as a hitman for the Italian American mafia. In 1950s, Philadelphia, Sheeran works as a union delivery truck driver. Uh, where he starts selling some of the meat shipments to a local Philadelphia Italian-American gangster known as Skinny Razor, uh, a member of the Philadelphia crime family headed by Angelo Bruno. After the delivery company accuses Sheeran of theft, union lawyer Bill Buffalino gets the case thrown out when Sheeran refuses to name his customers to the judge. Um, yeah. Yeah, so we're getting into it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bill F- uh, Buffalino's played by Ray Romano in the movie, who is great, I think. Uh, Ray Romano totally works and is totally fun in a Scorsese film. Sure. Yeah. Um, Bill introduces Sheeran to his cousin, uh, Russell Buffalino, head of the Northeastern Pennsylvania crime family. Sheeran begins to carry out jobs for Russell as well as members of the South Philadelphia underworld, uh, including painting houses, a euphemism for contract killing. Mm -hmm. Soon, Russell introduces Sheeran to Jimmy Hoffa, head of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, 
who has financial ties with the Northeastern uh, Pennsylvania crime family and is struggling to deal with fellow rising teamster Anthony Tony Pro uh, Provenzo. Provenzano. Provenzano. In addition to mounting pressure from the federal government, Hoffa becomes close with Sheeran and his family, especially his daughter Peggy, and Sheeran becomes Hoffa's chief bodyguard. Yeah. Um, this is an amazing time in American history. Uh, you know, also uh, for our Patreon, we covered the movie Hoffa once upon a time, mm. Eric and I did, which is a Danny DeVito directed film where Jack Nicholson plays Jimmy Hoffa. And the way that movie ends is like way different because I don't think they had any of this information. But uh, yeah, it's interesting to see the difference between how like Jack Nicholson you know, the Departed's Jack Nicholson plays Hoffa versus how Al Pacino is choosing to play Hoffa. Al Pacino's performance in this is lights out, like really good, really crazy performance too. And uh, there are a lot of laughs in this movie too. Mm -hmm. Like there are some straight up just scenes that are comedic, you know, like, you know, we'll get there, but like Hoffa yelling at his whole team and then, Sheeran like leaves the room and then Hoffa chases after him and has to convince him to stay and not quit. Like it's one of the funnier scenes from that whole year, you know? Yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Um, after the 1960 election of uh, JFK, Buffalino is thrilled while Hoffa is furious. Kennedy's brother, Robert F. Kennedy, wh- whom he appointed to attorney general, forms a Get Hoffa squad to bring down Hoffa, who is eventually arrested and convicted in 1964 for jury tampering. While Hoffa is in prison, his replacement as Teamsters president, Frank Fitz Fitzsimmons, misuses the union's pension fund and gives interest-free loans to the mafia. Uh, Hoffa's relationship with Tony Pro himself arrested for extortion also deteriorates because... Uh, beyond repair when Hoffa refuses to help restore his forfeited pension. Uh, Hoffa has his sentence commuted by President Richard Nixon in 1971, although he is forbidden from uh, partaking in any Teamsters activities until 1980. Hmm. Uh what do you think of the uh, the format? Is this is this kind of like how Goodfellas went, right? Is he yeah. narrating like through the... Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. it's it, and it feels very like exactly like Goodfellas or Casino where we're seeing like a long period of time kind of take place over the course like slowly over the course of the 3 hours. So, yeah. Um we get John F Kennedy, somebody actually plays John F Kennedy in the film, which is a super fun choice and um, Yeah, the the Kennedy assassination yeah. scene is uh mm-hmm. I thought it was really fascinating i thought it was actually really well done um it's interesting because it actually showed a lot about it to me it like um really said a lot about the care those characters and how they are as people because you talk about like any old person i've ever met who talks about the kennedy assassination is like they know where exactly where they were yeah, and it like ruined their day, and they like still, you know, it it makes them sad, and and uh, 
you know, it like it, it was like profoundly uh, a, a profound uh, event for a lot of people. And then you got these freaking mob guys. Right, right. Just like heart barely <laughs> reacting to it. Yeah, it, it, all the different facets of this, including the the U.S. government, is, yeah, really fascinating. It's interesting to see, especially during this time, you know, we, we, de- we know that the government and the mafia were in bed together, so to speak which is like such a wild thing to, th- to consider, you know? Yeah. Huge bed too. That's yeah. like a, the whole government you know. and all the mafia. <laughs> that must've been a California King. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Boston King. Uh, <laughs> despite his parole ter- uh, terms, Hoffa undertakes a plan to c- reclaim his power atop the Teamsters. Hoffa's growing disrespect for other Teamsters le- leaders uh, and his intention to separate the union from the mafia begin to worry Russell. During a dinner in Sheeran's honor in October 1973, Russell tells Sheeran to confront Hoffa and warn him that the heads of the crime families are displeased with his behavior. Hoffa then informs Sheeran that he knows things that Russell has done, or that that Russell and the Dons Dons, of other families are unaware of and claims that what he knows makes him untouchable. For if anything ever happened to him, they would all end up in prison. Yeah, this is a weird... He definitely thinks this, but I wonder why. Because it, it's not the case, right? Or is it? I mean, they do end up in... Well, yeah, I guess we'll get there, but... Yeah, don't spoil anything. Okay. People are probably... They're, as with all of our episodes, they're This is how they're, they're hearing along. it for the first time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They pause it and then they watch the next paragraph from the Wikipedia. Right. And they, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Hold on a sec. There we go. Okay. Uh, in 1975, while on their way to the wedding of Bill's daughter, Russell tells Sheeran that the Dons have become fed up with Hoffa and have sanctioned his murder. Reluctantly, Russell informs Sheeran that he has been chosen as the trigger man. Uh, known, knowing he might otherwise try to warn or save Hoffa, the two drivers to the two drive to a private airport where Sheeran boards a plane to Detroit. Hoffa, who had scheduled a meeting at a local restaurant with Tony Pro and Anthony Giacciloni, Giacciloni, yeah. is surprised to see Sheeran arrive late with Hoffa's un- unsuspecting foster son. Chucky O'Brien and the Lone Shark, Sally Bugs. Sally Bugs. Uh, they ha- they advise Hoffa that the meeting was moved to a house where Tony Pro and Russell are waiting to drive him over there. Uh, entering the house, Hoffa finds it empty and realizes that he has been set up. He turns around to leave, at which point Sheeran shoots him dead at point-blank range and leaves the gun atop his body by the entrance. After Sheeran departs, two other mobsters wrap up the body and cremate it in secret. Right. This, uh, the, this like, murder scene is really interesting to me mm-hmm. because it, it, you know, at this point in the movie, a lot of suspense is built up. Like, right, right. It, it, you know, 
Um, and it's so interesting how, and I'm, you know, I, I guess it's probably being truthful to like what actually happened too, but it's like such a, uh, mund- like, eh, mundane's not a good word. It's not like a super like spectacular murder or anything. Like he just shoots the guy no. in the back basically. Yeah. And that's right. it. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's interesting to me because it, it's like this This is like a huge, you know, this huge moment in this movie that we've been building up to. And if you're doing the suspense good and if you're, you know, if everything else is good, you don't need like a freaking crazy shootout, you know, to like right. wrap things up. Um, no, it kind of, it does, does it kind of remind you of the Goodfellas scene with Joe Pesci, right? Where, the, where you know, how yeah. they, they kind of kill him by shooting him in the back of the head and right right yeah it's it's so shocking and sort of sudden and it and it it's not very I mean, it's, it's not very sexy you know what i mean like it's like very plain and very kind of horrible and how you know almost like cold it is right yeah great stuff um, though i mean really great great sequence after invoking their Fifth Amendment rights uh, in a grand jury investigation into Hoffa's disappearance, Sheer and Russell, Tony Pro, and others are eventually convicted on various charges unrelated to Hoffa's murder. One by one, the elderly gangsters die in prison. Sheeran is eventually released and placed in a nursing home. He tries to reconcile with his alienated daughters, uh, but Peggy, suspecting his involvement in Hoffa's disappearance, has since severed all contact with him. Sheeran begins seeing a Catholic priest assigned to the nursing home who gives him absolution for the crimes he committed over his lifetime, though Sheeran knows, shows little remorse, uh, aside from killing Hoffa. Uh, as the priest leaves, Sheeran asks him to leave the door slightly ajar, emulating one of Hoffa's habits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. And that is... The Irishman. Yeah. It's weird. It's like a really, it's <laughs> like you feel bad for him at the end. Almost. Oh You're yeah, like, oh man. Gosh. Totally. Yeah. It, I mean, it's just like, it's just like, like all, you know, a lot of, like even Goodfellas and stuff. You, you, you do feel, you do feel bad for, for how the, how it ends up for these in some ways, cold blooded murderers, you know? Um, yeah, it's just really good, it, and it's really well. It's just really well done. And again, it's like the length I think helps. Like, there's so many scenes that you know we're not going to get to touch on today in this episode. Just like you know, outside of what we read in the plot synopsis, that's very that are like just great moments of two amazing actors just really killing it. Like, I think about the scene with uh, Joe Pesci in prison later on absolutely great you know um yeah all the stuff with uh tony pro is really fun all those like fight you know the scenes where they're fighting and everything um but yeah i'm gonna give this movie uh but for those who don't know we rate movies out of chucky freckles because we used to be a chucky podcast once upon a time so i'm gonna rate this uh 3.75 chucky freckles out of four i think it's nearly perfect i think the one thing that maybe keeps it at 
you know, just that little sliver below is just kind of an untangible, like, I don't know. Uh, Maybe it's just like that I'm not really ready to watch this movie again right away or something. Like, you know, it's pretty heavy or whatever. Um, but yeah, like, cause I love, I love this movie. I, but Goodfellas to me is a four. This one I think is just, just, it's got Goodfellas edges it out just a little bit, but I, but I do think it's, it's, it's near perfect. Mm. Uh, let's see. I, oh, by the way, Jeremy, I do want to, you should probably know this before the episode comes uh, out. Oh but, yeah, uh, sure. I do plan on using a de-aging effect on our voices. Oh, for this good. So it's like a lot of goo-goo-ga-ga stuff? Yeah, we're going we're to sound like baby. I'm yeah. going to sound like a baby. You're going to sound like an el- like a 90-year-old man. Okay, great. Uh, who's so, so been I'm smoking like for years. Accelerated aging on mine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Perfect. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I, I agree with you. 3.75. I think that's a good... That's a good score. Um, yeah, it's cool. Uh, it's 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 cool that uh, we got this. I mean, it's it's like uh, you know, it's kind of like it's not always. It doesn't always turn out great when like a bunch of people who did stuff, cool stuff together, come back later on in life and and right. do do that thing again really well. And it's kind of crazy, like how all of these guys have like worked together over the years, you know, besides some of them and they're still, they still kick ass. It's great. Um, anyway, good stuff. Thanks for, uh, you know, joining us on the, on the oh, ride yeah. through the Scorsese, uh, filmography. We, uh, we do have plenty of Sandlers left. So, uh, next episode we will be jumping into, it's ridiculous. Ooh, man. Six, right? Yes, the ridiculous six. We're into the the Netflix uh, era of Sandler's. Um, so yeah, that that's that's happening next week. And uh, patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy for all your uh, bonus content needs. It's a good time over there. Love to have you, um, Jeremy. Any final words before I uh, whack you? No way. Let the whacking begin. And, oh wait, I almost did the wrong sign-off line. Uh, Norma, I'll see you in my dreams. 